this is where all the bad podcast memes come from, you know, like <laughs> ask me about my podcast or I'm sorry your boyfriend has a podcast. People are just pushing their show on people that don't care. Where what you want is an audience that really cares, that's searching for a show like yours. Welcome to Podcast Marketing Trends Explained. I'm Jeremy Enns from Podcast Marketing Academy. And I'm Justin Jackson from Transistor.fm. And together we're digging into the data behind the Podcast Marketing Trends 2023 report to help you understand what it means for you and your show. Our goal is to help you make better informed decisions about the way you create and market your show so you can spend more time on what actually matters for growth and accelerate your results. Let's get into it. So Jeremy, uh, a question I see all the time on Reddit is, are my downloads good? Like I got this many downloads last month. I got this many downloads this month. Is that good? And you asked that question in your survey, the podcast Marketing Trends 2023. What did you find out? Yeah. So first off, I'll say I have received this question uh, too many times to count. And I've heard <laughs> it asked by everyone with, you know, 15 downloads an episode to 15,000 downloads an episode. And I think everybody thinks that everybody else is getting much more downloads than them. Everybody's a little bit embarrassed about their own numbers. So you can imagine anybody who starts a podcast, this is one of the questions on their mind. And of course, this was one of the questions on my mind as well. How fast does it take to grow a show and what does good actually look like? And so the month over month growth rate that we found a median for all shows we surveyed was 1.62% growth per month. So for some context here, essentially, that means that if you were getting 500 downloads a month across your show, you could expect every month to get about 10 new downloads, which, you know, if you release a weekly show, that's maybe four new listeners. So not a lot of growth there. I don't know what your reaction is to that number. I, I mean, I, when I saw these numbers, I think what's interesting is one reaction could be, oh, well, if I'm getting more than 2% month over month gro growth, then I'm better than the average podcast in this survey. But I think most people aren't satisfied with that. I think most people are like, no, I want more than that. I, I think even if you were exactly hitting 1.62%, I think you might be thinking, yeah, no, I want to grow the show more than what the average is showing. And I think that's what we want to get into is, yes, most podcasts do not grow that much month over month, but what are the tactics people can use to achieve that above average growth? And you also, actually, let's dig in a little bit more because you found some outliers and some other interesting context. Like some people are growing way more than the average, right? Yeah. So a little bit digging deeper. And of course, like when we're looking at averages and medians and things like that, we're looking at, you know, kind of the middle of the road podcast here. And so as in any kind of, you know, data set, there's going to be shows that did way better and way worse. And so um, before we get into some of those uh, kind of nuances there, the one thing I'll say is that the month over month, that 1.62% month over month growth rate translates to about 21% growth per year. And so mm. you're growing by about a fifth per year. So, you know, that makes it a little bit, you know, it's a really small number on the month to month basis. You can kind of see like, okay, if I'm getting a thousand downloads uh, per month this time, you know, this year, maybe I'd be getting a thousand two hundred this time next year. So that's, you know, puts it in a little bit of a, a different light there, but still, you know, not as much growth as people would probably like to see. Mm -hmm. So 
you did mention that there are some some outliers here on actually both ends of the spectrum. And so okay. what we found here was that actually half of all of the respondents outperformed the median, which uh, okay. you would expect. So half of shows did better than that 1.62%. Uh, I suppose by nature of that being the median, that is uh, statistically mm -hmm. necessary. Uh, yeah. But some good news there regardless. Uh, and we actually found that a fifth, so I think it was 21% of shows actually doubled their downloads. And so a pretty significant percentage of shows actually grew quite a bit. And this was actually not just shows that were small. They had 10 downloads an episode and went up to 20. There were also many shows that actually doubled their download size with multiple tens of thousands of downloads as a starting point and went up to, you know, double that number. So that was mm -hmm. some of the outliers we saw on the positive side of things. I think the top show grew by almost 400%. And this was actually oh, wow. one of the shows that had thousands of downloads. I think it was like 3,300 downloads per episode starting and was now quite a bit bigger on the other side. It was in the, the 10 to 20,000 download range per episode. And then on the other side, we had 32% uh, of shows actually shrunk. And so they were had negative growth on a uh, downloads per episode basis. And so this is something that we're going to look into in a future episode and look at. You know, I think we often assume that like, well, the only place to go is up. And what we saw here was that actually a third of all shows actually shrunk in downloads. And so we're going to dedicate an episode to kind of dig into why that might be. So mm -hmm. I, I would be curious to hear your reaction here now, knowing that it wasn't just like almost every show is around this kind of 2% range. Like we've got this whole range. What what are the thoughts that come to your mind? If there's anyone listening that wants to grow their show, I think I would want to know what did that one fifth of respondents who doubled their downloads do? What kind of factors led to that growth? It's one thing to look at the numbers, but what causes a show to grow by that much. And you know what? I, I'm glad you you brought that up because I think that my gut reaction and my my one of my hopes, and I think a lot of people's hopes who filled out this survey was that we're gonna get this big data set and we're gonna see these shows and we're gonna see like, okay, these shows grew quite a bit. Like what were the tactics mm -hmm. that they used? What social media platform were they on? What category were they in? How long were their episodes? All of these kind of tactical yeah. details. How many TikToks did they right. publish? And yeah, were they all on YouTube or anything like that? And uh, so I, of course, got yeah. curious. And before we started recording here, I actually went through, I sorted uh, the data by all of the highest growth shows. So I, I just did about 15 of the top growth shows here. Okay, these are the winners. These are the winners. So it's these are the shows that grew by, you know, over 100, uh, many of these 100, 200, 300, almost 400% growth. So a lot of growth. And I was curious, one of the questions that we had in the survey was, what has been the single most effective thing that you've done in the past year to grow your show? So this was very much like personal attribution. You know what you did. What do you think had the biggest impact on moving the needle? And these were all shows that grew very successfully. I'm just going to read off a couple of these responses that people had here. And we're just kind of starting at the top, the highest growth shows and working down the list here. Um, so we got the first one, create a Facebook group, social media, Created my short email newsletter via LinkedIn, which includes a link to the new episode and a link to the previous one. It's the perfect companion to my short five-minute podcast. Okay. Networking. Bought an ad on CastBox. Brought on a guest co-host. Served my listeners well. Gained guests who are semi-famous in their space. Rebranded the show. Created high-quality SEO show notes for each episode and share them on social platforms. Got booked to speak at Yale by one random tweet. That's <laughs> one I think that we would all love to replicate, perhaps. Uh, we've got increasing the inherent value of our content, content repurposing, posting material, whatever that means, advertising on other podcasts, learning about Pinterest, defining our listener persona, and then creatively going out to find and engage with them, and finally focusing on the quality of content. So 
listening to this kind of like collection of tactics, uh, do you spot any trends here? Any overwhelming like directive of this is what you should do? No, there's no silver bullet in that list. There's no like one thing. And maybe this is actually what's frustrating when people talk about podcast marketing is they're like, they'll get advice, you know, they'll go out on Reddit or forums or whatever. And they'll say, how do I grow my show? And someone will say, oh, the way to grow your show is you just got to get a speaking gig at Yale. That's what worked for me. And people are like, oh, that's not very helpful. I would be curious from your experience uh, as a marketer, as a podcaster, working in podcasting, talking with a lot of successful shows and, and also shows that might not be as successful yet. If you were to venture a guess as to what these shows are doing, uh, if it's not like outwardly tactical that has allowed them to grow, what would you say the, the common denominator is? There's one attribute that every single high growth show has. Okay. And that attribute is podcast market fit. Okay. This is something you've talked about a lot. Why is it so important? I'm actually going to lead with, uh, we're going to bring in our mutual friend, fellow Canadian in the podcast marketing space. And I'm going to mm. key it up with a quote from Dan Meisner that I think begins to get at what podcast market fit is. And he said, don't start by asking how to build an audience for your podcast. Instead, ask how to build a podcast for your audience. And so I think, you know, what Dan is getting at here is that there are people out there in the world who are looking for stuff and everybody's looking for something different and they all have these things that they're already interested in and they're looking for things similar to that. A lot of times with entertainment style shows, if you like one type of show, you, you listen to true crime, for example, you're always looking for the next true crime show. And so if you're creating in that space, you know that people like this category of shows, they're looking for more stuff like that all the time. So on the mm -hmm. entertainment side of things, that's how I often think about it. On the more like educational side of things, if you're maybe like uh, starting a show to build your business or something like that, what you're looking for here is to create a show that addresses a problem or a challenge that people are looking to solve. And so this is more of a classic kind of content marketing strategy where people have some kind of problem. They are looking to achieve some kind of goal. There's some kind of obstacles in the way. And you are creating a show that satisfies. It kind of forms the bridge between those two things. Uh, and there's we can get into a lot more of the nuances of it. But that's kind of how I think about it is like, are you creating a show that people are already actively looking for, you know, at least something in the vicinity of what you're creating so that you know that there's some interest and demand in it. What I love about Dan's quote is that it illustrates that people think you start with the idea, the concept for the show, but in reality, you should start with the audience. Who is this show for? And that audience that you choose will kind of determine what product you give them, what podcast you're going to produce for these people. It also assumes that you know something about your audience, that you know how to reach them, that you know what kinds of things they like, that you know how long their commute is, that you know, you know, what context they're listening, that you know what other shows they're listening to. And once you have that information, once you know who is this show for, then you can produce the podcast. Then you can come up with some ideas that might resonate with that audience. This is very different than making something and then just trying to push it out to people. Like, please, take, take my podcast. Take my podcast. And this is where all the bad podcast memes come from, you know? Like, <laughs> uh, ask me about my podcast or I'm sorry your boyfriend has a podcast. You know, it's the idea that people are just pushing their show on people that don't care. 
where what you want is an audience that really cares that's searching for a show like yours. So instead of having to constantly push, 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 you're going to be connecting with people who are already looking for a show like yours. That's podcast market fit. It's producing something that people already want. And it takes some experimentation. It might take a couple different iterations. It might take years for you to finally get that podcast market fit. But once you get it, your show should be able to grow reliably month after month. Why? Because, to quote Seth Godin, people like us do things like this. So a show I love is Acquired, which tells the stories and strategies of great companies. So people like me, startup founders, tech executives, people in Silicon Valley, people in business, people like us listen to Acquired and people like us recommend Acquired. That's the key. You get both. I'm listening and this show is so good. It resonates with me so strongly that I'm also going to share it with other people like me. That's how you grow a show. And I interviewed David Rosenthal, one of the hosts. We can link to it in the show notes. And that show, it's been around for eight years. They've doubled their audience every single year. So these aren't their exact numbers, but let's say they started out with 1,000 downloads per month in year one. By year eight, just by doubling every year, they'd be at 128,000 downloads per episode. And when I asked... David, like, what's your secret? Like, what was the secret growth lever that unlocked all of this growth? He just said, we just focused on consistently putting out a great product, great episodes, and people told their friends about it. That's it. Word of mouth is how most podcasts grow. And if you can nail this podcast market fit, you have a path towards reliable, double-digit month-over-month growth. Now, I know there's people listening that they might be thinking, well, I I don't know if I have podcast market fit. I just started this show because I had a good idea. This is the show I wanted to see in the world. Are there some steps they can take to get there or get closer to that goal? I see you're uh, throwing over the hard question to me. You just had your <laughs> grand monologue dropping the mic with the, the podcast market fit. And now it's over to me for the, the hard stuff. And uh, this is actually a question that I do get a lot. And, you know, a lot of people do create shows that they just want to do. And there's nothing wrong with that. And, you know, creating like a art focused podcast where it's like, this is I'm not making it for anyone. I'm making it for myself. And you actually do see a lot of successful creators. I, the first person who comes to mind is Tim Urban of the blog Wait But Why. Mm-hmm. And he's got this great kind of anecdote about how when he sits down to write, he pictures a stadium of 10,000 little tiny Tims that are all cheering him on. And he writes the stuff that he wants to exist in the world. Yeah. And so I think that this is a viable way you can build an audience by doing this. There's some luck involved with this for sure. And I think there's also it often works better when you are plugged into an existing community. And so you're kind of a representative of that community. And so mm-hmm. you have good taste at this point and you are going to create something that likely will resonate with the broader community, which does not always happen. If you like live in your basement and never interact with anyone else and don't really consume that much content or anything like that related to, you know, other uh, people in a specific field, what you create might be, you know, crazy and maybe it has some kind of artistic value, but it might not really, you know, overlap with that many other people. So mm-hmm. I want to lay out that kind of caveat first. Yeah. Now, I think that there is still 
a path to finding product market fit when you start off without a defined audience. And I think of this as the content art spectrum. And so we think about there is pure art on one side of the spectrum and pure content on the other. And so on the content side of things, this is like a show that you create. It's 100% a means to an end. And so this might be for a business. You're like, I need to attract these people so that they will buy my product. And I'm creating content to be that bridge. Mm -hmm. And on the art side of things, you're thinking, I'm creating this show 100% for me. And I don't care about anybody else. And like, I'm just creating this thing. And People can listen if they want and they if they don't, whatever, that's fine. I'm doing this for me and that's enough. And so I think understanding where your show fits on the spectrum will illuminate the path forward for marketing. And so mm -hmm. I think if you're more on the content side, you're really relying on the audience. You kind of have a sense of like, OK, I know I'm creating this thing for this audience. So you can kind of take the approach that Justin just mentioned um, going through this process of like, OK, what do these people want? Where are they underserved? What kinds of questions are they asking and how can I create a show for that? Mm -hmm. If you're on the art side, however, and, and I will say like most shows are somewhere in the middle. There's very few shows that are pure art or pure content. And so you're probably somewhere in the middle. And so you might have some vague sense of like, OK, I think these types of people might be interested in this because my show is somewhat similar to other shows. And these types of people seem to like these other shows. Mm -hmm. I think what you're doing here is you're testing audience is out. And so you're creating your show and you're going to go show up in different communities and you're going to, you know, integrate yourself in those communities. You're going to occasionally talk about your show. You're not like just plastering it around the internet, sharing links. You're like actually getting to know people, getting to talk with people and following your hunches around. Like, I think this might be an audience that might like my show. And you're just trying to look for where do you get a positive reaction? And mm -hmm. so if you find your way into, you know, a, a group of listeners, whether that's 25 people or 250 people or 2,500 people, you want to then get to know everything that you can about those people, which will often you'll be able to draw some conclusions and say like, oh, the people who like my show are all like this and they all like other shows like this and they all hang out in these communities. And now you've actually found your way. You've kind of gone the reverse way into finding that community that you can then kind of proceed the normal direction. Say like, OK, these people, I, I've already attracted them. Now I know how to find more of them. And now I can kind of do some more research and say, like, is there a way to make my show even more aligned with what these people are looking for? So yeah. that would be the kind of process that I would uh, recommend for somebody who's going more from the art side of things than the content. Yeah, I'm not saying we should ignore our gut like a great reason to create a show is that you listen to shows like the kind of show you want to create. Like if you're really into uh, pop music and you're listening to all those shows, mm -hmm. or you're really into startups and you're listening to all, all the startup shows, or you're, whatever it is, if you are listening to all the shows in your category and there are things that you consistently think could be better, if you're like, ah, why did they have it like this? Why are they organizing it like this? I could do this better. Here's a cool idea that no one, nobody's doing. I'm going to try that. That's a great reason to start a show and to test things out. And uh, so your gut can be a part of it. Uh, even if you're on the content side, your instincts can still be a part of it. The key is that you want to test out whether these things actually resonate with the audience. Yeah. And I think we want to get into some takeaways right now about what are some practical things folks can do if they want to achieve above average month over month growth how can they start that process of actually, you know, getting to grow their show? So I think the the one thing that I want to to bring up um, related to this, and 
the the kind of monthly growth rate, there's actually kind of two parts to it. And most people only think about one. But the idea of podcast market fit really relies on both of these things together. Mm. And so what everybody really thinks about is like I do I promote my show and I get in front of new people and they come back to the show and now I've got new subscribers. So if mm -hmm. I do some kind of promotion, I get 50 new people in the show. Now I've boosted my listenership by 50 people. Mm -hmm. And what most people don't realize, and it's really hard to see in the podcasting ecosystem, it's easier to see in other places, is that there is a constant kind of like leaky bucket where we've got some listeners, they might have been with us for a week, or they might have been with us for five years. But there's a constant stream of people who are no longer listening to the podcast on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And so this would be what we would call churn. Mm -hmm. in uh, like software is, is typically where that that term would be used. But it does exist in podcasting. And so I think what we want to realize is that it's entirely possible that you have 100 downloads a month. And that's what you see in your your podcast hosting dashboard, say in transistor.fm, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that could mean a couple of different things depending on your show. Yeah. And so maybe you have 100 downloads every single episode. That could mean that those are 100 people who listen for the first time. You went out and you got those 100 new people. Your promotion is working. You got them in and they listen to the show and they never came back. And then mm -hmm. next week, it's 100 new people who are in the show now. And to you, it looks like, oh, I've got 100 subscribers. I got 100 people who listen to every single episode. Whereas it could also mean that you do have those 100 listeners who come back every episode and nothing that you're doing to promote is working. And mm -hmm. so I think what we need to realize is that there's this constant inflow and also a constant outflow. And I think where the podcast market fit really comes into play is that the better fit you have, the more people who come into the show for the first time end up sticking around. The more you can reduce that churn and increase retention, the faster you're actually going to grow. And so I think that that's one of these pieces that as you're thinking about like, you know, whether it comes to promotion versus making the show better, finding fit, this is kind of like the dynamics that are at play. And so improving the show patches some of the holes in the bucket and then bringing in and getting in front of new people also increases the growth. So there are these two kind of things to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. Totally. The, the leaky bucket of podcasting that nobody's talking about. So yeah, do yeah. you want to jump into some practical uh, ways to explore this area? This, this episode is kind of centered around this like monthly and annual growth rates. And for me, I think that the the month over month growth rate feels like a long enough time span that I can kind of do some experiments and then see what impact that had. And so uh, when we're talking about finding podcast market fit, whether we're talking about promotion or anything else, I think it all comes down to experiments. And so mm -hmm. we, we take some action that we maybe haven't done before. We try something different. And then we see, you know, on that episode or on, you know, after a month, what impact did that have? Maybe I increased the quality of my hooks that I started off each episode. And so I like spend a lot of time really focusing on those first three minutes and like really capturing attention, getting people to listen. And we realized that, hey, it's, it seems like maybe I look in Apple Podcasts and I see my retention numbers have gone up. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's resulting in a increase in listenership. And now I can kind of assume like, oh, probably I've just reduced my churn a little bit by keeping people listening and coming back for more episodes. And so that that experiment was successful. And mm -hmm. of course, there's many other experiments you might run that are not successful. And so you can kind of use your your personal historic growth rate as this benchmark. And so you can say, if I've been growing at 7% month over month, I do an experiment, I test out something with my titles, I change up my show concept or format, something like that. And all of a sudden it tanks in the next month. I can say, okay, that was not the uh, the answer to my growth problems. Like let's try something else uh, going ahead next month. So yeah. really for me, it all comes down to like doing experiments and then measuring the results. Yeah, and that's a quantitative side. Like, okay, I'm going to do things and then see what's reflected in the data. There's also the qualitative side. 
And I think yeah. podcasters, especially new podcasters, should get in the habit of soliciting feedback from their listeners. So you get five downloads. Make sure in that episode, at some point you say, hey, folks, I am trying to get better at this podcasting thing. Right now I'm at five downloads per month. I want to get to 10 and I need your help. Please reach out to me by email, by DMs, whatever channels, and let me know how can I make this show better. In fact, I'm going to ask you a specific question. Would you recommend this show to a friend? If not, if your answer is no, I want you to stop everything you're doing right now, pull over to the side of the road, and I want you to write me an email about what is stopping you from recommending the show to a friend. And you and I have talked about this so many times, Jeremy. Sometimes it's like, I don't want to share this episode because the show art is embarrassing or the episode yeah. title wouldn't resonate with me and my friends or your audio, audio quality is bad or your episodes are an hour and a half long and you know five minutes of that is you breathing heavily. <laughs> you know, whatever reason it is, like... I want to hear from you. What could I do that would make this the kind of show that you recommend to your friends? You can also accomplish this with uh, listener surveys. Uh, we'll put a link yep. to a sample in the show notes. But get in the habit of getting that qualitative data as well. And as you improve things, you'll be able to notice, hopefully, that those responses become more and more positive. More and more people are saying that they would recommend a show to a friend. Yeah. And I think the other thing that I often recommend people doing, and this works even better almost when you are small, and you need to kind of lead the engagement a lot of times. A lot of times people want to put out the podcast and have people come to them with the engagement. But mm. one of the things that I recommend to people is if you know three people who listen to the show, maybe you've had just the briefest of interactions on social media where they said like, oh, I, I really like that episode. I would personally reach out to those people and start engaging with them and their content more regularly and mm -hmm. actually take the lead in building the relationship. And, you know, you want to start out just by like some some back and forth and they're going to appreciate that if they've listened to the show. And especially early on, you can actually then start getting into DM conversations and start getting onto Zoom calls and you can actually get to know them and they can really become kind of the behind the scenes like listener advisory board of the show and you can get so much good information because like they're part of this early few and it only takes like you could do this with one person and the one thing that I'll say is you want to be a little bit selective about these people. Mm -hmm. And so what you want to do is make sure that you are creating the show and talking with people who you want more of. And so there might be somebody who's like really cranky and they listen to every episode and you're like, "Ooh, I do not want a thousand of that person in my social media feed <laughs> in my email inbox. And so I'm not going to listen to what they say they want the show to be. But there's somebody else who you're like, oh, if I could have a stadium full of this person listening to the show, like that's who I want to attract more of. And so that's who you want to find out everything that you can about and listen to their kind of guidance and feedback. Mm -hmm. And don't ask like, uh, would you listen more if I did more of this? I ask more questions like, um, what other podcasts have you listened to in the past on this topic? How many of those podcasts yeah. are you not listening to anymore? Why did you stop listening? What initially drew you to my show? What stopped you from recommending the show to a friend? What other content are you consuming on this topic? Newsletters or blogs or YouTube channels? Get a sense of what other things they're already in motion doing, and why they like or don't like that content. And I think you'll get so many good answers. Uh, you, you were actually telling me, Jeremy, about ways you can like promote your podcast and do some tests there. What kind of podcast promotion 
things have you seen work when people are trying to either do experiments or increase the growth rate for their show? Yeah. So there's a number of ways. I think that the, for me, it all starts with those one-to-one conversations. And I think what you want to be able to get to is this kind of like eyes light up moment. And mm. I actually uh, wrote a newsletter just last week. I kind of cheekily called it the smasher pass test. Mm. And so essentially what you're looking for here is you give somebody the you know one or two sentence description of your show and the best possible reaction. And the one that you are aiming for is that before you've even finished giving the description, they're already reaching for their phone and looking to subscribe to it. Mm -hmm. And I think that people will tell you in these conversations like, oh, that sounds really interesting. I'll check that out later. And of course, we all know this. We've all done this. And they're being polite. And they're like, okay, like, I'm not going to listen to that show. But this person seems nice. So I don't want to hurt their feelings. Yeah. I think people's actions will always tell you more than what they will tell you to your face. And getting that feedback of like actually being able to see somebody's reaction over Zoom in person when you describe your show, that is kind of the ultimate marker of where your show lies in terms of podcast market fit. And so you want to be getting to the point where you are talking to 10 of your ideal listeners and almost all of them are like reaching for the phones and like, wow, this show sounds amazing. How have I not heard about this before? Mm -hmm. So that is is kind of the gold standard for me is having these actual conversations. But a couple of like hackier tactic-y type things you can do to kind of refine your your kind of pitch and your premise at a larger scale. There's one, this is getting a little bit technical. This is a bit more advanced. But if you have any uh, experience with either Google or Facebook advertising, you can run some really, really cheap tests for just a few dollars where you can just do a bunch of A-B testing through it's like one image of your show cover art, or it could even be just a like, kind of plain graphic that's somewhat generic and just the wording is different and it's like this show title a show where we do this and you like change that's what you're changing and you just measure that and you can get that in front of a few hundred or a few thousand people even for just like a few dollars 10 bucks something like that and you can quickly see like what did people click on more and that can then you can take that and that's your new benchmark and you can test out other versions and of course you might get to a point where you're like oh okay this is the show most people are interested in this does not align at all with the content i'm currently creating but Maybe that sounds like a pretty interesting show. I would be interested in making that. And you can make the decision to say like, okay, there's a great hook here. Now I'm going to fulfill it with the content. And so that's a kind of like tactical way that you can start to back your way into podcast market fit and test out some different things without like putting a ton of money or energy into reaching a large number of people. So um, that's something that you can use that test for so many different things and testing out your premise and description is is just one of them. I love it. Another tactic people can use is to start using some tools to track their marketing experiments. So as you're doing, if you're if you're going to p- do an ad or if you're going to post in a community or if you're going to do a newsletter sponsorship or something, uh, use one of these link tracking tools uh, for podcasts. There's two um, yeah. that we would recommend. Linkfire, which actually has a deep integration with Apple Podcasts now, and it'll show you, did people click from Twitter and actually become a follower in Apple Podcast, or how many downloads did that particular promotion lead to? This will allow you to test different things out. As I promote it on Twitter, here's my link for Twitter. As I promote it in this newsletter sponsorship, here's the link for that. And does that result in people actually clicking through onto Spotify, Apple, etc.? And you'll be able to track the effectiveness of your experiments. That's what you want. You want to be able to say, uh, is this having a difference? So yeah, I would, if you haven't checked those out yet, I recommend they both have free versions so you can get started for free. Yeah. And whenever you're sharing a link, have that. You could even have a short link, you know, like if you have a domain, you could say, um, you know, yourpodcast.com slash share 
and then you could have Linkfire or Chartable track that link as well. So there's a variety of ways you can start to see which, you know, what's working here, what experiments are working, what are people, you know, more likely to click through on. Uh, the people who are really into this are doing split tests where they'll like create one episode and they'll have the hook for it. And then they'll publish another episode that maybe is a different take on that or whatever. And then they're going to test them right next to each other to see which resonated more with the audience. Yeah. I've been waiting for this to become a uh, inbuilt feature in podcast hosting platforms. Uh, Nudge, nudge, wink, (laughs) wink. Although uh, I believe as I've been thinking through this, I haven't done it myself, but I think you could get crafty with some dynamic ads and do something very similar Mm -hmm. and achieve a kind of similar result. The data is not going to be as uh, granular as you look at split testing for website type of stuff. But yeah, uh, yeah, you can get (laughs) really technical if you want to. And the one thing I want to like say on that note is that so much of marketing, I think we often think about it as what we do, the, like the activities that we're doing. And I think a lot of it is about what we don't do. And mm. we don't really know what we should stop doing until we start testing. And so a lot of people, if you're not tracking your promotions, maybe you're spending five hours a week promoting your podcast on Twitter. And once you start tracking, you realize that zero listeners ever come from that. Mm-hmm. And you realize, oh, maybe that five hours a week would be better spent on another platform. Say that you're on somebody mentioned Pinterest in, in the report and say you're like, start testing that. And you're like, whoa, I'm getting tons of new listeners from Pinterest. Like I'm going to stop Twitter and I'm going to go all in on Pinterest. And so yeah. I think the only way that you can get to that point is actually having some kind of data. And these tools, uh, Linkfire and Chartable, allow you to collect some of that so that you can you know, allocate your time more effectively going forward. Totally. All right. So, Justin, as we wrap up this episode here, I'm curious, what are some of your kind of takeaways from this conversation regarding the kind of monthly and annual growth rates and what people can do to increase those? Mm -hmm. Again, the one factor that distinguishes whether or not you're going to grow is if you have this podcast market fit. And we're going to be talking about this all season, the the whole season. This is not just a one episode topic. (laughs) Uh, We're going to be talking about it more. And actually, if you have questions about this, if you have feedback about this, get a hold of us. We've got links in the show notes. We want to hear what questions you have around this topic of podcast market fit. But just start thinking about it. Start thinking about shows you like and start thinking, how do they have podcast market fit? How did that play out for them? And I will say that it sometimes takes a while, right? So the acquired show started out as a show about tech acquisitions and they evolved over time, over eight years, to be a show about the history of great companies, right? And that evolution helped them get more podcast market fit. I think the second thing is start experimenting. I'm going to try this and see what response I get. That could be as simple as changing your show art. That could be, I'm going to reduce the length of my episode from an hour to 20 minutes. Start experiments. And then third is look at the data, and the data could be what you're seeing in your analytics, but the data should also be connecting directly with your listeners. How about yourself? Anything that comes to mind? The two things that I would end on is the first, just this idea that these numbers that we discussed here are pretty depressing if we're looking at the median and the averages. But keep in mind that you know your goal is probably not to fall into that average category. You certainly can. We looked at some of these these numbers, the distribution of growth, and that it is certainly possible to grow much bigger than and much faster than that 1.62% month over month, 21% year over year. And so looking at those numbers, you can say like, okay, well, I'm right in the average range. And you can either view that as like, okay, well, I'm, I'm doing 
you know, an average job. Or you can say like, okay, I know that it's possible to do more and I'm not going to settle for, for just being in this average uh, growth group. Mm -hmm. And so I think if you have higher aspirations, it's possible, but you're going to, to need to find that podcast market fit that Justin mentioned. And then, uh, the last thing, the last takeaway, uh, was, was really this fantastic question that you came up with, which I'm going to now, uh, pose to everybody listening to this, which mm. is, if you're enjoying this show so far, we would love it if you would recommend it to a friend. And uh, if this is not a show that you would recommend to a friend, let us know. What can we do that would make this show recommendable-worthy? Recommendation-worthy? Yes. <laughs> what would make the show recommendation-worthy? Maybe there's the wording. Uh, let us know. You can get at both of us on Twitter and LinkedIn and email. Got the links in the show notes. And uh, we would both really love to hear uh, what would make this one of your favorite shows on podcasting. Yes, we want to hear your feedback. Don't hold back. You don't have to be gentle with us. We want to hear your feedback. And yes, please recommend the show if you love it. As always, you can check out the full report where all of the data that this episode and all of the episodes uh, are based on at podcastmarketingtrends.com slash 2023.